Good morning and welcome to each and every one of you. Um, if you're visiting with us this morning, if this is your first time here, your being here has nothing to do with a cold. Okay, it's just, some people got that. Uh, <laughs> no, we thank you so much for taking time, leaving your cozy bed and joining us. Um, it really is appreciated. If you are visiting, and this, if this is your first time with us, you, you've kind of come in at the, at the middle of something that we've been doing for a few weeks. This is week four of our series called Pause. And it's, it's a journey where we're just looking to find that rest. God promises us his rest. Over and over again, in the Old Testament, he speaks of his people entering his rest. In the New Testament, Jesus affirms it. In the, um, the rest of, of, of the epistles, all the apostles, all the writers, affirms that there is this rest that we are to enter into, that we are to stop our striving and our hard work and enter this rest that God has for us. And in the first week, we had this invitation into this rest. If you've missed out, our website is www.bikerschurchmidran.ca. Let me just get that right. Not to send you anywhere. Um, <laughs> and um, you can download the, the old message, the old messages, the previous messages from there. But the first message was an invitation into this rest, where God just calls us into these unforced rhythms of his grace. He just says, come. Then the next message was, don't be yoked into all the things that you have placed on yourself, that you've allowed the world to place on you, but be yoked into Christ because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And that's an entry into that rest for us, isn't it? Last week, we, we took a moment and we paused. And I hope that the rest of you who were here has taken some moments to pause this week, to practice this, this thing called pausing, to stop for a moment and just allow God to speak, that we keep quiet, and we allow the maker of the universe to speak into our lives, because we have that available to us, whether we use it or not, whether we allow him or not, well, that's, that's up to us, isn't it? This day, we go into this thing. One of the greatest obstacles, one of the greatest enemies of rest is a wonderful little word called busyness. Why can't you? Because I'm busy. So, busyness is the enemy of rest. That's where we are this morning. And I don't know why I decided to broach the subject, because you will not believe my week. <laughs> That's probably why I'm in the subject, isn't it? But every day this week, I've managed to forget something, either at home that I needed at the office, or at the office that I needed at home. And every time I find myself going, yes, I was so busy and I forgot this thing. But we are there, we live there, don't we? My, this week was crowned by this achievement. Um, on Wednesday morning, uh, my wife was out early and I'm dressing my son and we're ha having way too much fun for that early in the morning. Uh, and I'm packing things and I grab his lunch and I make sure that everything's in the little bag and I take him to school. And uh, 
get to school, hand off his bag, hand him off, hand off his breakfast, get in the car. And as I'm leaving this little school, the teacher comes out the front door and she flags me down. Stop, and I climb out and, sorry, what's the matter? She says, I don't know, I think, I think, this could be um, cinnamon sugar. To which my only reply could be, yes, that is cinnamon sugar. Please don't feed that to my son for breakfast. Uh, fortunately, the school has uh, emergency parents had a brain fade breakfast at school available, and, and he did have breakfast. But how often do we do that? We grab the thing that was supposed to be in the place, and we didn't take a second to consider, and we landed up with a mess. All because we're busy, because that's our excuse, my busyness. There's an example in the Bible, believe it if you want to. Luke 10, from verse 38, says the following. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister, Mary, sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what, to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. Mary has discovered the only thing that we need to be concerned about, and it will not be taken from her. So often we've discovered the only thing that we need to be concerned about, but we allow busyness to steal the very thing that we need to be concerned about. We allow it into our lives, and let's be honest, I say busyness, but actually we're stealing from ourselves. Because it's so easy to say that I am a victim of busyness, because then I don't have to take responsibility. But when I realize that I have chosen all the busy in my life, then things look a little different, isn't it? Because, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've never had anybody with a gun tell me how busy my schedule needs to be. Nobody has ever forced it on me. There's, there's always been a question. Yes, we work in jobs where there's pressure, press, press, pressure situations. <laughs> but nobody's picked up a gun and forced you into it. Nobody. There's always been a question and a choice. And so we land ourselves in busyness by our own decisions. The statement, I don't have time, because we've all said it, haven't we? I don't have time. Can you do this? I don't have time. Can you do that? I don't have time. We have this family thing, I don't have time. We have this thing where you can go and rest and be wonderful and it's holiday and I don't have time. I have this good thing, I don't have time. I have this bad thing, I don't have time. What do we do is the question in the end of the day, isn't it? 
But this statement, I don't have time, is a reflection of our idea of who God is. How is that possible? Well, technically you're saying, I don't believe that God has given me enough time to do what needs to be done. It's a belief. I don't have time, says, I don't believe that God has given me enough time to do what needs to be done. So I believe he's stingy. He's holding out on me. There's time somewhere that he just hasn't allowed me to have. Or I believe he's unrealistic in his expectations of me. Like God has set these high goals that I can never attain to. And both of those are horrible lies. Uh, They just are. God has given us, he's gifted us 24 hours in each day. Enough time to do exactly what he has called us to do. The question is, what do we fill our time with? We have been given a gift. What do we fill it with? And it's tough to hear and it's uncomfortable when somebody says it, but it's true, isn't it? Now this, this is the point where we get extremely defensive, as I can see you are. Uh, <laughs> Because we all are busy. We all have high demands on our time. We have lots to do. There's lots to see, you know, places to go, people to see, uh, people to rip off. No, I'm kidding. Uh, We all have lots to do. But we choose what we get busy with. There's always a choice in this. Life, this is probably the crux of the thing. Life has numerous ways, too many ways to count, to fill our open spaces to fill our time with, and it's always asking. And in this world where we're always connected and we are always available, it's so much easier for life to get a hold of us, for us to sit in bed at nine at night and go, I need to do this and this and this and this and this. Oh, I just got an email. I need to do that too. Oh, I just got an SMS. I need to do that too. It's so-and-so's birthday. We have to go and do that thing too. And there's many, 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 many good things that we can get involved with. And we can twist ourselves into a pretzel to try and to get to all the good things that there are in the world. The question is, are you supposed to get to all the good things that there are to do in the world? Or are you supposed to get to all the things God has asked you to do? in this world? That's a tough question. We, as, as a church, as a ministry, we get invited to more events than what we can count. Good charity events. Things that uh, are raising money for this problem and that thing and, and these people and all good things run by good people. People you can trust. But if we go to every single charity thing that we get invited to, We'll never be a church. We'll never get to the very thing that God has called us to do. Why? Because we'll be so busy doing all the good things that we'll miss out on God's things. And it's the same with the demands on our lives. There's so many good things and we feel so guilty. And can I be honest? We have moved away from being spirit-led to being guilt-led in a lot of our stuff. And that's not safe. 
That'll never lead you to rest. You see, Martha chose the good portion. There was nothing wrong with preparing a meal for a bunch of people who's come to your house. But Mary chose God's portion. When the living Christ is in your house, what should you do? Be making dinner or maybe like paying attention? I'm just asking. And it's not that Martha did anything wrong, but there was more, and she missed out. Was she going to go to hell for it? No. No, but she missed out on God's best for her. Why? Because she did the good, and she missed out on God. So the choice for us, more often than what we'd like to know, is good or God. As we spend time with God, as we practice this being still and hearing Him and keeping quiet so that He can speak into our lives, He's going to create space in our 24 hours. He's going to create space in our schedule. And what will we fill it with? Does this mean I have to walk around with my Bible and when I have five minutes I have to sit down and read it? If God says so, yes. But if He says, go speak to that beggar, then go do that. And if he says, make that phone call that you didn't want to make because you were so busy, make that phone call. Do what God has asked you to do. We have been given 24 hours. God will create space in our 24 hours. What we do with that space is our decision, is our choice. We can get leading from God, but we have to choose it. Now, right and wrong is settled. I have a a five-year-old, and from a very early age, it was easy to see that he knows when things are right and that he knows when things are wrong. There's a certain smile. There's a certain way he walks. There's a certain way he talks. When it was right, you know it. When it was wrong, he knows it. And it's a dead giveaway every single time. You see those little guilty eyes coming around the corner, and you're like, what were you busy with? Um, and we can go fix it from there. But right and wrong in us is it's pretty easy to spot. The difficult thing to spot is what is good and what is of God in our lives. You see, we get... We get asked to go spend time with friends, and we get asked to spend time with family. And who do we choose? Do I cut off my left arm or my right arm? Because so many of us need those visits with good friends around a fire, around, we need food, and people make good food. No, who knows, it's in those visits where we get to build each other up. The Bible uses a wonderful word called edified. We get to build each other up in those visits. We need those visits, but our families need us. Which one is good and which is good at her? I don't know. Have you asked God? Have you got the relational capital with your friends so that you can spend that time with your family? Do you have that relational capital with your family so that you can spend it with the friends. 
I, can't, I wish there was a right and wrong answer. There's not. Have you asked God? How about lunchtime? I have a lunch hour. Will I take my lunch hour and switch off my phone and go sit and have a quiet lunch, read my Bible, pray a little, do that kind of stuff? To avoid to go to the gym. That God is going, hey, this thing, this tired, this, all these things that you complain about, go to the gym. You have an hour. It's like, Lord, I'd rather spend this time with you and be holy. If the heart attack comes, Jesus gave you a way out. Now you're complaining. Lord, why do you strike me with this illness? No, he gave you a way out. Is it wrong to go to the gym and not spend time with God? Do you have the relational capital with God to go and spend time at the gym? Do you have the relational capital with yourself to go and spend time with God? And it's not a right or wrong. It's a good or God. I get my busyness was once again displayed this week. I'm prepping for, for the Sunday. My boy wakes up from his afternoon nap, and his first question is, Papa, can you make me spiel? I'm like, you do not understand what I'm going through right now. I have to read my Bible and pray every day. I do. That's, that's very true. But if my five-year-old says, Dad, let's wrestle, then dad has to wrestle. If my five-year-old says, dad, let's play, then, then let's play. And I'm not saying that we drop everything for our family every time, but I have the relational capital with God so that I can spend that time with my son. And then there are times where I'm like, my boy, can you, can I give you half an, can you give me half an hour? Dad, what's half an hour? If this arm is there, okay, <laughs> yeah, one Barney episode, you know, that purple dinosaur solves a lot of things in our house. <laughs> I do have the relational capital with my son to say, will you trust me that in half an hour, we're going to have an awesome time? But it's taken hard work. And it's taken tough decisions, and it's meant that, hey, to get that relational capital with God, I might have to wake up earlier, if you are that way inclined. I might have to go to sleep a little bit later, if you are that way inclined. If I have to maybe figure out how my lunchtime looks. Maybe I'm not supposed to spend it on Facebook. Maybe I'm supposed to spend it differently. I don't know. That's your life. I'm struggling my own fight, okay? But you get little glimpses, okay? Just don't judge me too badly. All right. But the point of all this is that we need to realize that, yes, we are busy, but we don't get to hide behind this excuse called busyness. God's called us to more than that. He has more than that for us. And we need to weed out these excuses so that when we say to someone, yes, I'm really busy, they go, wow, I've never heard that from him. He must be really busy. How can I help? Rather than, hi, how are you? Yes, I'm so busy. Because we wear it like a badge. 
don't we? My busyness is kind of my status symbol. It's like, I'm so busy, without me, that place just falls apart. It's like, congratulations, that means the day you do get sick, you might be out of a job. You know, have you played that scenario out to the end? All right, that should put some stress on you. It's not safe, okay? Where we spend our time reveals what we value. Where we spend our time reveals what we value. Time is like a precious commodity. We don't treat it that way. Time is like a silver or a gold. And we just kind of throw a little bit here and we throw a little bit there. And we don't save it. We just... Because I say we. I'm sorry for including you in that. I don't. Because I don't always realize how little of it I have. Or how much of it I have and how badly I'm spending it. Martha had her value caught up in what she did. In good work. But Mary had her value caught up in whose she was, in God's best, all right? And it's not a right or wrong issue. It's God or God's best. It's good or God's best. Now, like I said, exhaustion is not a status symbol. It's not like, how are you? Yes, I'm so tired. Why? Because I'm so busy. What happened? Uh, I can't really tell you, just so much. It's all just gone in a flash, you know. It's come to me and it's passed me and it's gone. And more often than we'd like to admit, this thing called busyness is the statement of self-importance. You know, this place will fall apart without me. I'm, I'm such an important cog in this wheel, those kind of things. And that is just rooted in, in this wonderful little word called pride. And if we allow it to, pride will drive us to destruction. Every time. Every single time. Now, pausing and creating space takes care of our excuses. It helps us to take responsibility of our time. To take responsibility of our lives. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever been here, married couples... But we have used busyness as an excuse to get out of uncomfortable situations, haven't we? With our spouses. We have used busyness to get out of difficult situations with family, haven't we? It's an excuse and it's a sad and sorry one. Sorry, honey, I can't join you for this fancy dinner that you have surprised me with because I know what the end of it is. And so I'm busy, I might skip it. When, when can I see you again, honey? I don't know, in about six months time, I'm, I might have an opening for you. And we use busyness as an excuse for not taking responsibility of our own lives, for not taking responsibility of our own relationships. And so many other things. And it's dangerous. Can I be honest with you? It really isn't funny if somebody 
jokes about something being your mistress. Oh, his job is his mistress. It's not funny. It really isn't. Oh, her hobby is her mistress, or her, I don't know, what's, what's the male form of that? Her mister. <laughs> this galumpy. It, it's cute, but it's not funny. It's super, super dangerous. It really, really is. There's a problem, and things are out of balance, because our space is filled with the wrong things. And in, in fact, when we joke about those things, we're, we're joking about adultery and, and addiction. And I don't think that's good things to joke about. They're, they're real problems, aren't they? So a change is needed. A change in our focus, a change in our priorities is desperately required. Martin Luther, Martin Luther the great reform leader, said this. I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. And I think he had his priorities right. And I don't think that his day only started at 10. He, he didn't have that luxury. I think his day maybe started a little bit earlier. A whole lot earlier than we'd like to have our day start at. Why? Because I have a, such a busy day. I'm going to start it right. I'm going to prioritize the right thing. I'm going to do what Mary did. I'm going to sit at the Lord's feet. Be filled with what I need to be filled. Be encouraged. Be engaged. Be strengthened. Be given strategy so that I can head into my day and know what is the good things that can get some of my attention, but what are God's things that I have to put all my effort into? You see, we are so pushed by the urgent that more often than not, we miss out on the important. And that's dangerous. Once again, Matthew 11. We've looked at this one a few times before. Matthew 11 and verse 20, from verse 28 in the Message Bible. I think it's worth our reading again. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Get away with me, and you will recover your life. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of God's grace. What an invitation for us to be part of what God is doing. But all of that starts in a a difficult little word, as the band comes up, starts in a difficult little word called discipline. It comes from discipline. Discipline to go, Lord, I want to build relational capital with you. Wife, husband, I want to build relational capital with you. 
children, I need to build relational capital with you so that things, when things get out of whack, I have grace. But it all starts at the Lord's feet. It all starts with discipline there. You see, God's going to give us space. He's going to create space in our schedules. He's going to create space in our days if we ask him to. But our challenge will always be, what will you fill that space with? So we stand before a choice this morning. And our decision shows where we have rooted our value in, where we've placed our value in. And our decision this morning is, will I have the good? Nothing wrong with the good. But man, there's more. God's best is so much better than what we can ever think or imagine. God says to us, he wants to make his ways our ways and his thoughts our thoughts. He says that his ways are so much higher than our ways and his thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. And we think, maybe he just knows the answer to my next question. And we discredit God that he actually has answers to every single question that we might ever ask. It's like, you know, God knows how I'll get to heaven, but I don't know if he, if he can figure out this problem at work. No, 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 he, 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 he saw that problem. Before you were created, he saw that problem and he had the answer. And he's been waiting from forever till now to give it to you. And you can have that answer, which is his answer, which is the best answer, or you can walk right by it. And the choice is yours and the choice is mine. And that's one simple little example. How many of God's best things are we walking by on a day-by-day basis? Because we've become so blunt because of busyness. What will we fill the space with? Good or God's best? This morning, I don't think this is the kind of thing that you stand for. I think this is the kind of thing that you agree to. (laughs) And so if you're in your seat this morning and you're saying, I'm so tired of missing out on God's best. I'm so tired of running myself ragged to do good. I need rest. I need that unforced rhythm of grace to become apparent in my life then will you agree with me at the end of this prayer? Let's pray together. I thank you, Father, that we can be here this morning. Lord, and hear your heart for us this morning. Lord, that you have rest that we can enter into. You have calm, you have peace. Lord, that surpasses our understanding. And Lord, with everything that just shouts for our attention, Father God. Lord, I pray this morning that you help us to pause, to prioritize you, to grow the discipline, to start every question with what is God's best here? 
to start every situation with what is God's best here. Lord, and that we might take that 10 seconds to hear your voice and to enter into what you have for us versus what we have for us or what they have for us. Lord, this morning, we repent of chasing after good. We stop our striving, Lord God, and we reach out our hands and say, we want your best above all else, Father God. Lord, I thank you that you are faithful to your word. Lord, I thank you that you will have us enter into that rest. Lord, you will have us operate from a place of rest and peace and calm. Lord, and if our relationship with you works, then suddenly our relationship with our spouse becomes easier, with our children becomes easier, with our families, with our friends, Father God. As Mary did, Lord, we will sit at your feet and choose your portion for ourselves over and over and over again. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If there is something specific that you'd like us to pray with you for, we will be available here at the front. If there's something that you want to come and tell us, you're fully allowed to. If you don't want to brave the cold yet, come have some coffee with us. You're more than welcome to do that. Um, I'm going to pray a blessing over you guys, and, and may you have a wonderful Sunday. May Croatia win. Uh, <laughs> we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you for the appointment that you've had with us, Lord. Lord, I pray that this, doesn't, this message, this word doesn't stay in our seats, Father God, but that it takes root in our hearts and that we make it our own, Father God, and we get to live it out in the world that we face every single day. We thank you for the grace you give for us to be able to do that, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you would choose us to be the light of the world, to be salt to a flavorless world. And we thank you, Lord, that we get to live that out with you by our side. Pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.